Amen. This morning I want to talk on the thought, the next big thing. The next big thing. Yesterday I asked Pastor to see if I could get one of these fidget spinners. Who bought one of these last year? For your kids. For your kids. <laughs> Who paid more than $10 for one of these? Yeah. This one cost a dollar yesterday. Probably at the same shop you bought it for about 10 or $15 last year. Because last year these fidget spinners were the big thing, the big craze. Yeah. They'll, they said they'd settle kids with ADHD down. I was doing youth work last year. We had a young person come out of uh, detention who'd been locked up for about six months. And this kid can't control himself. You know, he just has to graffiti anything. He graffitis graffiti. That's how much graffiti he loves to graffiti. But we decided to get him one of these. And we have cameras. And I watched this kid walking around just flicking this nonstop for hours. Didn't pick up a texture or a pen. Didn't scratch his initials into anything. He just played with this plastic piece of junk possibly probably more than likely made in china came to australia's you know but everybody had to have a fidget spinner last year and i can guarantee nearly because i'm i'm guilty of it that some of you parents that bought these for your kids took it for a test run yeah i bought four of them i don't know why i even bought one for my wife last year and yes i caught her several times flicking it it was the new craze that swept 2017. Everybody had to have the fidget spinner. I remember when I bought it, from where I worked and where I live is about a 35-minute drive. I spun it the whole way home just to make sure it was working, right? I mean, I got them for two for $5. I'm a bargain hunter. Everybody had a fidget spinner because it was a, the big thing. Now, I'm going to place it on this pulpit and hopefully I'm not going to be spinning it as I'm preaching. If you hear that, you know, I couldn't control myself. Maybe I'll put it underneath my hanky because I know myself, I'll end up playing with my left hand, flicking it around. Why am I bringing up the fidget spinner? Did you know that Forbes magazine said that the fidget spinner was the must-have toy of 2017? Forbes magazine. Even they got on board the fidget spinner bandwagon. Millions at one stage were sold. And possibly now over 100 million of these things have been sold. I mean, my young, young son Judah had a friend, Jackson, who bought 200 of these online from China for $2 each. And in less than a month, he sold all 200 of them for $8. I mean, we should have used it as a church fundraiser. Everybody had to have it. Forbes magazine talked about it. It was the craze. You know, for us that are a little bit older, we've gone through a few of those types of crazes. Remember that cube? with six different colored sides Rubik's Cube if you're over the age of 40 you had one right yeah and if you're like me you could never put it back together once you messed it up never not once and you see kids there doing it for, you know 10 seconds eyes closed and they put it all together me never put it together unless you took the stickers off anybody else take the stickers off or, or pop them out and stuck them in yeah I cheated that was the only way to get it done it was the big craze of the 80s the Rubik's Cube if you're a little bit older, the yo-yos, they come and go all the time, right? If you had a Coca-Cola yo-yo, you could flick it down and make it spin and take it for a walk and put it in a triangle and it would go backwards and forwards spinning and back up again. Now, some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But others can remember their childhood because you had to have it, right? 
And Coca-Cola was the best yo-yo to have. Not Fanta, but Coca-Cola yo-yo. The Rubik's Cube. Last year, the fidget spinner. 2017, it took the world by, by storm. I mean, I wonder how many times pastor sat here preaching and saw little kids flicking them. I did. Only once, though, because then I got to talk to them later on. That You don't bring that to church and well, the preacher's preaching. Crazy, crazy. Everybody had to have a fidget spinner in 2017. Did you know that the fidget spinner originally, what year it originally came out? Or what decade? It came out in the 90s. It came out in the 90s. A lady by the name of Catherine Hedinger, Hedinger, she designed the fidget spinner. But in the 90s, nobody was interested. She had a meeting with a company called Hasbro. Now, parents, you'd notice a lot of your kids' toys come from Hasbro. It's a big company. And she tried to sell it to them. They weren't interested. Nobody was interested in the fidget spinner. She put a patent on it. A patent usually lasts about 10 years, which means nobody can touch your idea, right? So for the next 10 years, nobody could come up with the fidget spinner and try to make money off her design or her idea. But again, she made enough money. She sold a couple of thousand to pay off what it cost her to have this fidget spinner. But last year, the patent was over and anybody could take this design and start using it for themselves. And some of America's major companies, toy companies, they decided, oh, what's, this is a good idea. And they made the fidget spinner. And you have close to, if not more than 100 million of these things have been sold worldwide. Now, if you were this lady and all you received was 10 cents per fidget spinner sold worldwide, that's a nice $10 million in your pocket. But she didn't make a cent from it. The large corporations have made their millions and you all bought one and I bought one and they took the world. They were the new big thing. Everybody had to have a fidget spinner. You couldn't go through a shopping center without a, a, a table there selling these things. And they came up with the fancy ones. A Captain America badge. Yeah, or the, the ones with the sharp edges and all the different designs. And, and some went up to $50 even. You get them for a lot cheaper today. Everybody had to have, everybody's It seems like everybody was looking in the, in the corporate world, what is the next big thing? And somebody said, the fidget spinner. We'll make ourselves millions. I want to turn to the book of Second Kings this morning, chapter 2. I'm going with this somewhere this morning. I'm not a sales rep for the fidget spinners. I'm not be, I won't be selling any of these later on with the church logo on them and stuff like that. <laughs> fundraiser for the church low. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 2 verse 1 follow with me this morning I want to build a foundation and it came to pass verse 1 of chapter 2 of Second Kings and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal and Elijah said unto Elisha tarry here I pray thee for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel and Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said to him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? Don't waste your time. He's going. 
And he said, Yea, I know it, but hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I'll wait here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. He's trying to stop him. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, and they said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. You getting the picture right now? Elisha is not going to give up on Elijah. He's going to follow him the whole way until he's taken up. Keeps going. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that the two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. That's a big thing you're asking there. Verse 11, And it came to pass as they were still on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven verse 14 and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said where is the Lord God of Elijah and when he had also smitten the waters they parted hither and thither and Elisha went over and when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him they said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him I'm sure these are the fellows that were saying don't you know that Elijah is going to be taken from you today don't waste your time and Elisha kept saying hold your peace you ain't going to stop me from following the man of God a very familiar portion of scripture here for those that have been around the story of Elijah and Elisha. Many times when you preach this, people get confused by the two names. An easy way to remember it is Elijah, the J in the middle, comes before the S. So Elijah came before Elisha. Well, that helps me anyhow. I am hoping you get more out of this message this morning than just that. All right. Elijah, the man of God, the big thing of the hour, known in his time, as a great prophet of God. Elijah, when you study his life, was very prophetic when he spoke under the anointing of the Spirit. It happened just like he said it would happen. But also when you study his life, there are notable miracles that God did under his ministry. Nine, in fact, that are recorded. And this great man was going to be taken to be with the Lord, and it seems that they all knew it, because several groups came to Elijah and said, what are you doing? Why are you following him for? We all know that today he's going to be taken from you. So why are you following? In the voices of discouragement. Trying to stop the, man, uh, uh, the young man following his mentor. 
But Elisha wouldn't be discouraged by it. He simply said, hold your peace. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't say anything to them as to what his purpose was or why. He just said, be quiet. Because you're trying to stop me. But there is a purpose I feel that I need to follow on. Because Elijah is the big thing of the now. But perhaps God's got something for Elisha when the days of Elijah are finished. Understand me this morning. I'm not going to be speaking about these things because I'm trying to make you a big name. They asked Jesus that in the book of Acts chapter 1. Will you again restore the kingdom of Israel? Not interested. But ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You can read it in chapter 1. It's not about you guys. It's not about your country. It's not about your name. But God said, I'm going to do something great. When you receive this spirit, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And I believe this morning as we go through this, this uh, message, this sermon today, I have a burden to preach this, not because I want you to have a ministry named after you. I've never been interested in Jacob Cartabiano Ministries. Because if I ever tried to do that, somebody out there might start looking at my past. And when they see my past, it could possibly end my future. But rather, I'm all about Jesus Christ's ministries and exalting His name. Because you can't fault me on that. But you will find a time when He stepped into my life, when I was messed up, when I was broken, when I was hurting, when I was a brat, when I was doing the wrong things, when I was smoking this and drinking that. But you'll find the hand of God, the fingerprint of the Almighty, where He flipped that all over, changed me, transformed me, so that He could be glorified. So this morning, I'm not about glorifying the church as such, but I'm all about glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that purchased this church with His own blood. Are you hearing what I've got to say today? But one thing I want to do is take you away from a place where you see yourself as just a, a, a part of the church and as possibly a nobody. Or, or God's got a, given us a great pastor and his wife and great leaders in this church. But, but I'll just stand from afar and maybe support them by putting some money in the, in the, in the offering plate, maybe just praying. But yet, don't you realize today that when God filled you with His Spirit, or when God's about to feed of His Spirit, He's called you to be a witness. In other words, people are going to see you. You're going to stand out. You can't hide, but God will be glorified through you. Why don't you praise Him for a moment this morning? Now, I don't believe for a moment that I'm the only lost person here that God had to reach out to and redeem. I don't believe for a moment here that you were so prim and proper that, that I had to become like you to get saved. But rather, you and I were all alike. You know, we were all alike. Different faults, different weaknesses, different sins, different this and different that. But going to the same hell. But thank God today we have been redeemed by the same Jesus. We have been purchased by the same blood. We have been born again by the same Savior this morning. And although the world may try to condemn you, stop you, discourage you, hold you back, remind you. I'm so glad this morning that the next best thing isn't coming to this church. It's already here, friend. It's already in the pulpit. It's already in the seats. It's already in the music team. It's already in the Sunday school. Don't look for the next best thing, but rather say, Lord, no matter what it takes, I'm going to keep following you anyhow. If we're going to go to Bethel, we'll go to Bethel. 
and you might make a journey to a place that you've never been to before and it might feel a little bit weary where you're at right now but if the Lord decides hang on let's go a little bit further let's just go from Bethel today and let's make our way to Jericho or okay let's get up let's keep moving and if we're going to go from Jericho further on we'll go from Jericho further on but my God you keep leading us you keep speaking to us You keep directing us. You keep empowering us today with your purpose and vision. It doesn't matter how the world defines you today, where you've come from today, what you used to do today. But what matters is if God is leading you, just keep following. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They tried to stop him. But like the fidget spinner that people looked at as a piece of plastic that just spins around in circles... Somebody saw a bit of worth in this. And today millions, if not billions of dollars have been spent on this little toy. And although you never saw anything good in yourself, and maybe you were just the son or the daughter of an alcoholic, or perhaps you're just the child of a a single mum or a single dad, or maybe you're just, you know, that, that one there, yeah, their dad just works in a warehouse, you know, picking boxes, that's all he does. No, friend, you're a child of the king. Hallelujah. He doesn't see you as one of his B team players. He sees you on the field running the first team because God's got a purpose for us. Thank God. Thank God. Elisha said, I'm going to go with you all the way until you be taken up. And then the great the thing of the now, Elijah said, what do you want? Why are you following me? What is it that you've purposed in your heart? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I don't think for a moment that Elijah was all about himself. I don't think for a moment that Elijah was like, you know what, I want to be the next best thing so that my name can be great, my parents can be rich, that I can have a ministry after my own self, have myself a nice private aeroplane, drive around in fancy cars. Have all. I don't believe that was his mission or his purpose at all. He wanted to be a man of God, that God could use a vessel so that God could get the glory so that his children could hear the voice of God still through the prophet of God. When their hearts had turned from him, they could still hear the voice of Elisha later on because he decided, Lord, I want a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Amen. They tried to discourage him. You know, Elijah, nine notable miracles, and you can read these in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. Most of them are there. And moving on into 2 Kings. I'm not going to read them all. That's about four chapters of Bible to read just to get through his life. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit hungry. So I want to get out of here on time, get a nice feed. (laughs) On a serious note, Elijah caused the rain to cease for three and a half years. During that time, miraculously, he was being fed by ravens. First home delivery came by ravens, raven services. It was... Under the ministry of Elijah, the miracle of the barrel of meal and cruise of oil, it was under his ministry that there was a resurrection of a widow's son that had died. It was under his ministry that Elijah caused uh, called fire from heaven at the altar as he battled it out with the uh, prophets of Baal during a drought when he asked them to get barrels of water during a drought and pour it over the sacrifice during a drought. And then he declared, let the God that answers by fire answer. And fire came down from heaven and consumed his sacrifice. And the 400 prophets of Baal were put 
were put away once and for all. And the nation once again realized there is a God in all of Israel, the God of Elijah. They sent 50 soldiers to come and get him. So what did he do? He caught fire down from heaven and the 50 soldiers were consumed. They sent 50 more soldiers to come and get Elijah. So what happened? He caught fire down from heaven and they were consumed. They sent 50 more soldiers to come and get him. But these ones were smart. Please, Elijah, take it easy on us. And then you see him parting the Jordan here as they went across dry land. You know, over recent times in the United Pentecostal Church of Australia, we have lost some of our greats because when we went promised eternity in this world. Last year in particular, it affected this church because my one of our members on the Gold Coast, one of our ministers, one of our board members, the original founder of the church on the Gold Coast, your former pastor, was taken home to his reward, Brother Glass. And though we celebrated his life, we also mourned his loss on the Gold Coast. He wasn't involved in ministry. He was a presence of an elder, of a man that fought devils, a man that stood in the face of adversity and stayed true to the Word of God, a man that refused to stop in Gilgal but continued to follow on. Thank God for Brother Glass. For family members here, we've lost Brother Jim Turkington, one of the early members of the United Pentecostal Church. God took him home to be with the Lord. And then the very beginning of this year, Brother Jacobson, I, I, we saw him at the funeral of Brother Glass, and he was so healthy, but the Lord took him home in January. And let me just say for a, a quick second here, just because we lost three great men of God and, and year before that several others, it didn't mean that the work of God ceased because men went home to be with the Lord. This, this, this church isn't built upon men. We thank God for great men. But the foundation of this church isn't men or their teachings or their personalities or who they were in our lives. This church is on a solid rock. This church is built upon a rock that's not going to move. It's not going to shake. It's not going to fold. This rock is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone by which this church is built. And therefore, we can stand on shaky ground. The world can shake. Life can shake. But if you stand on this foundation, the church will remain. But there were ministers that left us to be with the Lord, gone home to their reward. And although they were gone, it, 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 le- it leaves a, a certain void in the church. And this, why, this is one of the reasons why this is the message that I want to preach today. Because we can't just wait for another three years for someone to graduate from Bible school. I'm a Bible school a proctor on the Gold Coast. I love Bible school. But hear me this morning. We can't wait for you to feel qualified before God can use you. We've started a church in Tweed based on Bible school students that haven't graduated. Some of them have been there for one subject. They still haven't done an exam yet. I've decided I can't wait three years to arrive to the destination. I've got to enjoy the journey on my way to the destination. And I believe it's time for the church of the living God to say, it's not time for God to raise up somebody else, but it's, God, it's time for God for you to use me. It's time for me to stop praying, God, raise up our young men, raise up our young women. It's time for us to say, God, use me. I might not be 21. I might not be as strong as the young ones, but God, use me. Hallelujah. In 2010, this cracks me up. I've got a guy in our church that loves this. There was a cryptocurrency, I'm not big into this thing, called Bitcoin. 
But you've all heard of Bitcoin, right? Because in 2010, it was worth one US dollar. That's not much, right? Who cares? One dollar. If you need a dollar, I can lend it to you. Last year, it peaked at about 20,000 US dollars. Now, I can't lend you $20,000. That's beyond me. And those that had a bit of an idea, thought there might be something in this thing called Bitcoin. It might be worth something one day. And if you had told me in 2010 about Bitcoin, I would have said, stop wasting my time. All right? Years ago, somebody tried to sell me coins that were going to make an investment. I told them, leave me alone. And I was right on that occasion. But who would have saw the value in Bitcoin? And I still rarely understand what people are talking about when they talk about Bitcoin. I'm thinking, English or Swahili, what are they talking about? Which country is that? Bitcoin. Now I've got a brother in our church that's he's, he's teaching me. No, I'm not buying any. Last week or the week before, I think it was worth 8,000 US dollars. It took a big turn. But I mean, if you bought it for $1 and it dropped down to $8,000, you wouldn't be complaining, right? Of course you wouldn't. It was the thing that nobody saw value in, only a few. And today we see it's worth quite a bit. And perhaps you didn't see value in your life, but I'm so glad today that we don't see through our own lenses today. When you're born again, you see through a new set of eyes. You see through the voice and the eyes of the Spirit that doesn't see what you were, but sees what He wants you to become through Him. Amen. I'm so glad today there are new faces. Now, there are some people here, I don't know who's who, and I have a fair idea of most of you, but there are faces here that I've never seen before. This might be your first time, second time, I don't know. But I know that the Lord knows who you are. Let me just say, I felt to say this before the service started, before I saw who was new and who was not. If this is one of your first times, you've only been here for a few times, let me say something. God's got a plan for your life that if you would give yourself to Jesus, the journey that He's about to take you on to, you could never have imagined it in your wildest dreams. Believe me. I came to the Lord as an 18-year-old, raised in a church but living in sin. And the journey that's taken for the last 24 years, there is no way I would have had anything near this life had I never come to the Lord. You know, at the age of 21, I got to fly the first time on an aeroplane. 21 years later, I've probably flown about five or six times every year since. And I think, how did that happen? Before the reputation I had would have been, yep, he'll make a good alcoholic, a good, a good bloke at the bar, telling jokes until his livers give up on him. Who would have thought when the Lord got a hold of me and gave me a different drink and the drink began to flow, not from the tap, but from the heavens. Hallelujah. That there would be a change where I look back and I think, I never saw that happening in my life. And I look back at the peers that I grew up with. Some were drug dealers. I had a good friend that was selling marijuana. He now pastors a church in Sydney called the Pentecostals of Sydney. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I had another friend that was in hospital because they thought he was going to die from a drug overdose. Several weeks ago, he got installed as the assistant pastor in the same church of the former drug dealer. Who would have thought? The world had their nose lifted up, thought, pack of losers, pack of no-hopers, they're going nowhere. But there was a man called Jesus that went all the way to Calvary because he said, you might call them losers, but wait and see what's going to happen when I get a hold of their lives. So I want to encourage you today, if this is all new to you, this is a bit spooky to some, maybe it's like, wow, they speak in tongues, they get a bit boisterous in their worship. Let me tell you, once you allow the Lord to take you on this journey, you're going to see things that you thought, wow, this is real. 
He's going to take you to places and do things in you and through you that you thought, wow, I'm the least of my family, but God's using me to reach out to the rest of them. Hallelujah. 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 If you've been around long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm the youngest in my family and possibly the only one who's had a criminal record. The only, not the only one, thank God. There's two others. The only time we've been to jail is to visit the other two. But what can happen this morning when you begin to realize that God's plan for your life is way bigger than you could even imagine? You probably think to yourself, well, I can never do what you're doing standing behind the pulpit. I could never stand behind a group of people without being drunk. There was no confidence there. There's still no confidence in myself. I just know that I'm called because Jesus stepped in. It's just a piece of plastic, friend. Nobody wants to buy a piece of plastic made in China, right? But it took the world by storm. And the devil tries to tell us that who wants to hear you testify? Who wants to hear you sing? Who wants to hear you play music? Who wants to hear you stand behind the pulpit and preach? Who wants to hear your testimony about a man called Jesus? Who wants to hear about you? Oh, but let me tell you, friend, you're not the next best thing of next year or the years to come. If you would allow God to use you today, if you would hear the, the, the voice of God calling you this morning, I really feel to tell somebody here today, the next best thing isn't coming from somewhere else. It doesn't have to have an accent from some other nationality that seems cool and everybody wants to listen to. The next best thing is in the congregation right now. It's you. It's you when you allow God to take you and to elevate you. I'm excited about going to Bassadine tonight. I love Daughter Works. I love seeing new churches open. It's my heartbeat. It really is. We're hoping that this year, Tweed, I told the church we, we have a daughter work. And I said, I'm praying. My, my goal, my uh, prayers is that by the middle of this year, Tweed service will be its own church running. And these Bible school students looked at me with a bit of a, a bit of relief. Like, Great. We can go back just concentrating on one church. And so I said to them, as soon as Tweed goes full time, then we can start another church somewhere else. Yeah? Because we serve a God, we heard it before, who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. I want to hurry here today. Hallelujah. Stop seeing yourself today through the lenses of your own sight and knowledge, but start realizing how big God really is, how powerful He really is. If He did it through the pages of the Scriptures, if He did it through the ministry in the church today, then God can do big things in your life today. You see, Elijah asked for a double portion, a, a, a double portion of Elijah, Elijah's spirit. And if you want to study his life, you'll know that there was 18 notable miracles that God did through the ministry and the life of Elisha. Not just the prophetic, but notable miracles of bringing people back to life, parting waters. Many of the things that he did for Elijah, he did for Elisha. But the last miracle that God did through this man, Elisha, was when he was dead. <laughs> I mean, the skeptics would have been there saying, mm, he prayed for a double portion. Nine notable miracles for the life of Elijah, but there's only 17. You get those kind of people in church, right? Like me personally, I'd be jumping around going crazy over the first miracle. I wouldn't be taking cow, be like, Wow! The shin of my, uh, my woman's child is raised back to life. I haven't seen dead come back to life. But I'm sure if I did, I wouldn't be saying, that was pretty cool. 
I think I'd get and break out to a, a praise break. I might look a little bit silly to you, but hey, I'd be giving God glory, right? But I'm sure there were skeptics there. It's only 17. <laughs> only 17. But then one day, they threw a dead man's body into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as it touched the bones, the body came back to life. <laughs> Jackpot, bingo, the light started going. It's 18th miracle would happen. God kept his word. But Elijah didn't get the seed. It doesn't matter if you get the seed or not. What matters is that God keeps his word. He's no man's debtor. He doesn't play with our emotions and get us excited and just dump us. And that's why I'm preaching these thoughts today, not because I want to impress you, but it's burning in my spirit today. As I was preparing to come here, it's like, talk about crazy things like fidget spinners and Bitcoin. Might just go straight over the head, might put people to sleep preaching this stuff. But there's something that's burning within me, Pastor, that God is doing something here this morning in this congregation. I haven't preached at other churches. I'm not trying to flatter you with nice words. I believe specifically in Northside, your church, you people, not just the ministry, not just the leaders in this church. Thank God for them and what God's doing in their lives. Hear me today. If this is your first time in the house of God, you're here because God wanted you to hear what this preacher had to say because God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, not just for those that have been around. I'm not talking about the young ones alone. Thank God for our young people. I used to be one. But I'm talking about everybody here today. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Brother Miles, he hasn't finished with you yet. He's still working in this place. I'm coming to a close. Why don't we stand, Han? Why don't you come? Again, this isn't about you as a person and how great you can be and what name you can have in flashing lights and on a TV program of evangelism on a four o'clock show or slot but this is about your life lifting up the name of jesus this is about you becoming a testimony a witness a power that god gets the glory for i mean who would have thought let's just look at for a moment that a stuttering murderer was called by god would lead millions out of bondage and then later on into a promised land called israel who would have thought that an adulterous murderer by the name of David would end up being titled as a man after God's own heart. Who would have thought that a dishonest tax collector, small in stature, would just want to have a look from a distance to see what Jesus was all about? Who would have thought that morning that Jesus would say, Hey, come down from there. I'm coming to your place today to have fellowship and lunch. Who would have thought for a moment that a smelly fisherman called Peter Simon Peter who stood and watched from afar off as they took Jesus away to be crucified that when he was questioned you're one of his no I'm not and then the second time yes you were with Jesus no I'm not and then the third time got all excited and angry and dropped some swear words and, and ran away miserably weeping bitterly because he had turned his back who would have thought that on the day of Pentecost when the spirit would fall and the people would ask questions that God required a spokesperson. And Jesus didn't walk back that morning in flesh. It was Peter. It was Peter who stood up and said, Hey, they're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And perhaps Peter thought, Wow, did I just say that? Well, let me go a little bit further. 
And that morning they didn't say, is this not just the fisherman? Isn't this the one that said he didn't know him? No. They said, men and brethren, what must we do? What must we do? And Peter said, I'll tell you what you need to do. Who would have thought? Or who would have thought that a Jewish man by the name of Paul saw that was so angry towards you and I and the Christians of his time. He wanted to throw them all in prison. But who would have thought that his ministry would turn the world upside down that not only the Jewish Christians but the Gentile Christians also would be born again because this man who the world thought hey we can't have Paul coming Paul for us all in prison but no God said I was something for this man Paul but what about you this morning what about you this morning maybe you see yourself like that little shepherd boy called David that when they came looking for a king, don't even bother with me. I'm too young. I'm out there looking for the sheep. Wasn't even considered. But God says, we're not going to stop. We're not going to rest. I'm not going to keep searching until we find the right man. And your seven sons that you think are really good, tall and handsome and strong, they're not the ones I'm looking for. Who's left? Just a little scrawny kid out the back there playing with the sheep. Bring him in. Bring him in. Bring him in. Who's going to be the next best thing? Oh, we've already got our ministers. We've already got our leaders. No, 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 no. We still need one more. Bring him in. Bring her in. Bring him in. And you sit there perhaps in the back or in the middle thinking, well, I want to try to hide from this preacher. He's reading my mail this morning. No, friend, I ain't reading your mail. God's speaking to you. This morning as we begin to worship the Lord, I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm rushing this today because I want to I wanna get to a place where you can stand with God right now this morning and not just let a preacher preach to you, but let the Spirit minister to you today. And so as they begin to sing a song, I want to open up these altars today. If there's somebody here this morning, God's getting a hold of you. You know in your spirit right now that God's got more in your life than just sitting, warming up the seat. There's nothing wrong with sitting in the seat. Somebody has to sit there, obviously. But you know right now that God, perhaps He put a seed of promise in your life and you walked away. But now you realize that that seed that was spoken years ago, perhaps decades, generations ago, if God spoke it, it's going to happen. And maybe it's taken a while, but today God's reminding you, hey, I've got a plan for you. Or maybe you see yourself as inadequate. Oh, I can't be anything. I'm the least out of my family. I've got issues, I've got problems. I can't stop swearing. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop smoking. I can't stop. Friend, when God gets a hold of you, not only will you stop, He's going to use you in your family, in your surroundings, in the place that you thought you had no influence. But through the power of God, He's going to use you to be a light in a dark world that only you can reach out to. But what's got to happen is you've got to come to a place and say, Jesus, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to fight your spirit. I'm not going to fight your calling. I'm not going to fight your voice. I'm going to come to a place of complete surrender. You're going to walk out of here changed. Let me tell you, friend. You'll walk out of this place changed. So I want to invite you. Why don't you come? And speak with the Lord this morning. Why don't you come to this altar? Nothing magical about the altar, but by you stepping out by faith.